Hey, what's up? And welcome back to another episode of Build Your Tribe. Have you ever wondered, what is my niche? Who do I help? Who do I serve? And how do I help or serve them? Or maybe you've thought to yourself, I don't really want to niche down. Like I hear people talking about niche, but it seems scary because I feel like I'm pigeonholing myself or I'm limiting the amount of people who I can really connect with. Maybe you've picked a niche, but you're just not sure if it's the right one. Or maybe you've started to grow on Instagram, you've started to build your business with your niche, but you're struggling to build community and you don't know how to really grow and take your account to the next level and reach your community because you think that there is a community, there is a group of people who you can serve and you can help, but for whatever reason, you just still aren't reaching that group of people. Well, I'm really, really excited today to have an expert come on Build Your Tribe who has quickly become a really good family friend of myself, my mom's, and even my dad and my sister. Today, it is my honor to introduce to you Warren Carlisle. He is the owner and the person who runs the Instagram account Octo Nation. It is the world's largest octopus fan page. You want to talk about niche? Warren knows about niche, and they have over 200,000 followers on that account. Recently, Joe Rogan was talking about Octo Nation on his podcast, which is one of the most popular podcasts in the world. And not only has Warren built this very large account in this very, very engaged, plugged-in community, he's done it in ways that we haven't really discussed too much here on Build Your Tribe. And he is an expert himself. He is an expert in building a community of super fans. He's an expert in helping people define their niche and really pick their lane and stay in it. I am so excited to have him on the podcast today. So without further ado, let's get into the interview. Hey, Warren, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Brock, what's going on? Nothing much. Very, very excited to have you here today. For a few reasons, I'm sure my mom would love to be on this interview with us as well, because I know you guys got to connect a couple of weeks ago. So super, super excited to have you here today. Thank you for being here. Let's hop right into it. You run a very unique Instagram account that's devoted to all things octopuses or octopi. Is it octopi? Let's, let's just set the record straight. Okay, yeah. It's octopuses. Okay. Octopuses. <laughs> and we have so many questions. So let's start with, you know, as a successful male model, why would you decide to devote an entire Instagram account to cephalopods? Well, I think we should take it a little bit back because male modeling was something I kind of like stumbled into, but let's kind of talk about origin story real quickly if I have a second. So back in 2011, my mom, unfortunately, she passed away of breast cancer and I was 22 at the time and didn't really know what to do. I found myself like in a Barnes and Noble one day. And I was really trying to figure out what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. And I remember walking around and being like, what do I even want to do? Who do I want to be? Like I was having this crisis moment and didn't really have anybody around me. And so I was like, you know what? I was like, I want to move to New York. I want to move out of San Antonio, Texas, where I was living. And I was like, and I want to be an intern for a celebrity fashion photographer. I was like walking down the magazine aisle and I saw all of these things. And I was like, yeah, I want to do that. So at the time, Instagram was like, you know, it wasn't that popular. I mean, you probably know it was like back then it was like all about like food, fitness and like fashion. Yeah. And so I laid out all these fashion magazines and I started looking for celebrity fashion photographers. And to my surprise, they didn't really have that many followers on Instagram. Like the models did, 
but the photographers really didn't. They hadn't built their brands yet. And so I started reaching out and being very specific with what I could potentially help them with behind the scenes. I could do behind the scenes photo shoots. I could make sure that the talent is tagging you appropriately so you could build your brand. And I had this whole list of things. And it wasn't shortly after that, that I landed an internship with a celebrity fashion photographer, moved to New York and went from zero to a hundred very quickly. And in that space and realm, I guess that's where the modeling possibilities open up. But it wasn't before any of all of that other stuff occurred. <laughs> so that's kind of how I kind of found myself in male modeling. <laughs> Got it. Okay. Okay. So then when did you start this Instagram account that you're running now? When did you start it? And then how big is the community on Instagram and Facebook combined? So on across all social media platforms, we have close to 400,000 people that follow us. On Instagram, I think we're at like 260K maybe. I started it just because I, I wanted to connect myself. I, I've always had an obsession with like aliens when I was a kid, but you don't really know what to do with your obsessions and the things that you're really interested in like back then because there wasn't really social media. Yeah. It was only until I guess I moved to New York and figured out how to use social media in the, the fashion industry and how you know people were developing communities that I thought this is a perfect time to take something I'm super interested in and build a community around it because we have that ability with social media now. And so I started that account and very similar to how brands were using Instagram to connect with influencers. I did the same thing, but my influencers were underwater photographers. They were professors that taught on cephalopods. There were New York times bestselling authors that wrote books on octopuses. Mm -hmm. So I just took that same model and I applied it towards a very niche topic. Got it. Got it. Okay. So your intent was really just to like kind of fulfill your own obsession and what you really like love to do and love to talk about. Yeah. And there was a, a storyline going around. For, I mean, the past you know century, octopuses have been a, a really misunderstood animal. In Hollywood films, there's like these very malicious creatures. They attack ships. They have this really bad rap. And I was like, you know what? I was like, I can change the storyline and change the narrative of this animal by storytelling and really teaching on different species of octopuses in a really fun and informative way, leaving out all of the... They attack ships. They're, you know, slimy. They're all their suckers can, you know, attack you. And I saw a lot of people doing, and I kind of wanted to dispel that myth and make them really accessible and fun. And I think that's what we've done since we started. Absolutely. Yeah. I know hundred percent. So then talking about like when you first started, what was it like? Like, I'm sure just like anyone else, you start at zero and it's challenging yeah. at first. So can you tell me about some of those early days with the account and how did you get people to like start engaging and interacting? I would say that because of my background in that fashion industry and having worked with like global fashion brands like Mont Blanc, J. Crew, Todd Snyder, Uniqlo, I wasn't afraid to reach out to collaborate. I know that collaboration is the fastest way to build a very niche community, but you have to be very strategic. You can't collaborate with people that, you know, from an ego point of view, where you're just like, I think it'd be really cool to collaborate with so-and-so because they have millions of followers. It just doesn't work like that. Yeah. The first person I collaborated with was somebody who wrote a New York Times bestselling book, The Soul of an Octopus. I reached out to her through her email and I said, this is my mission with Octonation. This is my vision for Octonation. And, you know, I want you to be a part of the story. And she said, yes, how can I help? So how, I kind of have a different perspective in the sense where I really wanted this to happen. And I wasn't going to let my fear of getting no's from people or my fear of, am I, am I not big enough? Do I have a big social media following? 
even if I had two followers, it would have been worth the conversation with Simon Montgomery because I believed in what I was doing. So I think that's an important lesson is people, if you're starting out with 50 and you're like, I'm waiting for a thousand until I reach out to Brene Brown, I'm waiting for you know a million until I reach out to, I don't know, Michelle Obama, like figure it out, like figure out what value you bring, what your background is, you know, what your mission, your vision is, and then like chart a course to make it to those people and do those activations or those collaborations early on. I love that. That's powerful. No, that's really powerful. Absolutely. So then, then from the get go, from the start, did you plan to monetize this account? And if so, how have you been able to do that? Yeah, I, I definitely did not plan to monetize the account when I first started. When I first started, it was kind of like I was working with influencers and helping them with their Instagram. And when I say helping them, I mean, like I would look at their Instagram and they were very surface level accounts. Like say they were a fitness influencer or a, a model. I'd be like, you know, you really need to tell more of your story because, you know, your competition is very high because you're a New York model. So how are we going to drive who you are, what you stand for in your account? And so... Octonation was very much my like like my meditation, my therapy at night. I would just research and I'd write things in a really fun way. But then the post started going viral. As I started strategically collaborating, people wanted more. I had people that said, "Can I send you money because I really appreciate the work that you're doing and I want to see more of it. I just want to support what you're doing." And that's when in, in 2018, I started the account in September 2015, and in 2018. I was like, you know what, should I create a nonprofit with this? And everybody was just like, yes. Like I got like five or 6,000 people that were just like, I would donate tomorrow. And so I did that. I you know, started it up. I founded the nonprofit with a mission to inspire wonder of the ocean by teaching the world about octopuses. I you know, put the vision. We want to be global leaders in marine wildlife education, research and conservation. And then I just had a whole swarm of people that were just like, let's do this. So as far as monetization now, we do it through merchandising, through advertising, through affiliate commissions with different artists and underwater videographers selling prints of their work. I mean, once you have that community, the monetization, I feel like, is, comes easy, but you really have to have that, that engaged fanatical community that really understands what the page is about. And then when you present items for them to buy, they say yes. I found that if you let people be a part of the process too, like if I show them a design and say, would you buy this? People want to be a part of that process. They'll say yes or they'll say no. And if a lot of people say no, and it doesn't make sense from a cost point of view, you don't make the product. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I've always let my audience like take a, an active role and approach in my business and my brand and, and the community. Mm-hmm. And that served to really, really strengthen the affinity that they have with us. Very cool. Yeah, I know that that piece of having your audience feel like they're they're playing a role in the development of of whatever you're selling. That's mm-hmm. so so valuable. And like and you I, do that, you do that every day. I mean, like you, you bring people in. I mean, even just on your road trip, I feel like I was in the car with you all all the way back home. <laughs> and you know, the amount of gratitude you know you were expressing and just the energy of your relationship, it's just it manifests a group of people that just are just loving. They're supportive. And, and you really, I don't think what people understand is you really have the opportunity to really manifest that, that sort of tribe, but you have to outwardly express those emotions, those feelings, and those stories. Absolutely. And so, yeah. Absolutely. I agree. And, and thank you for that. I was, I was about to say <laughs> almost the exact same thing about Octonation is I feel like when I'm watching your stories and watching your content, I feel a part of it, which is so unique, even for some big accounts and feature accounts 
that are others, you know, that are like yours, I don't feel as involved. I, I might get to see the content. I might be interested, but I don't feel like it's a community. I don't and really I, feel like I'm there. I think we should talk about feature accounts because a huge thing I see, I call them feature or theme accounts, mm -hmm. is most of them don't take a journalistic approach and transform the content. Mm -hmm. What they do is they just reshare the content without any unique perspective. You have such an opportunity to build a brand. If you want to create a theme account around your favorite thing, if you like fencing, or if you like, you know, whatever, take that content, inject your personality, your values, your, your storyline, your narrative. And if you transform that content, you can build a fanatical community. But if you just create this loosey goosey, you know, you're reposting things that, you know, and you're not injecting that narrative, that storyline then you lose the community because they don't know really who they're following and your brand is super scattered. So mm -hmm. definitely take that journalistic approach to whatever you do. If you have a theme account, transform that content and move forward from that. I love that perspective. And even like when you are like on my personal account, which isn't necessarily a theme or a feature account, when I am reposting and, and sharing, featuring someone else's content, I've never thought about it in this way, but taking this journalistic approach is very applicable and something that's very beneficial. I can think about recently when I did a repost and I didn't just repost it and say it's a repost. I added my two cents and gave my opinion, like you said, kind of in a journalistic way mm -hmm. and it performed so much better. That's really it, a great point. Another great example of somebody wants to see a good example of someone who did this was Jordan Syatt. When he first started his content, he, he was Gary Vee's personal trainer for a while. I knew him since the beginning when he first started his account and changed his strategy up. He went from like just posting anything a personal trainer would post. And it was just like this, you know, what is the unique value proposition here? Like, who are you? Mm -hmm. And he started networking and, and collaborating with people in the fitness space that were just like him, this no BS type of personalities. And he started curating their content, but above their post, he would write his unique perspective. He'd say, you know, the reason I like this is because it's really a great example of this. And then he would have a conversation starter. And sometimes his post would get way more comments and way more engagement than the original post did because he really knew how to facilitate those conversations. He understood that with Instagram and Gary Vee obviously was his <laughs> mentor with that. He understood that that was the magic. Comments were oxygen on Instagram. And so I can't stress taking that journalistic approach, understanding the way Instagram works. And then, like I said, injecting your storyline. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So then staying on the same narrative for a second, talking about theme feature accounts, like obviously you're not the one taking these photos all day. You're not like the underwater photographer scuba diving, taking photos of octopuses all day. So how do you find the right content to post? What are you doing to find the things you're posting? So in the very beginning, I would go through hashtags. You know, for me, it was actually like, these are really great tips, actually. So the first thing I would do is hashtags. Obviously, the first thing that you could do is look at hashtag octopus. Obviously, with hashtag octopus, there's a lot of people who are cooking octopus. And that's just not octonation. We just, it's not that we're, we just don't post things like that. Mm -hmm. It's not our thing. But there was another way too, where Instagram has places. And I feel like this is the most widely unused feature of Instagram, people kind of like, eh, whatever, you can search by location, you can search galleries by location. So what I would do is I would go to Monterey Bay Aquarium virtually, and I'd go to places, I would type in Monterey Bay Aquarium, and anybody in the world who's visiting Monterey Bay Aquarium and tagging them in the place, it'll show up in Monterey Bay Aquarium's gallery. Mm -hmm. So what I had the ability to do was just go through Monterey Bay Aquarium and like the photos that have an octopus in it. 
And what I did was I essentially said, hey, love this photo of the giant Pacific octopus. Did you know that they have 2,240 suckers? Or I, would, I wouldn't just like the post. I would inject a fact or I inject, this is what you can expect if you come to our page. You can expect fun, informative facts. And so what I did was every single time I did that, almost every single person that I commented on followed Octonation. Wow. So it was a way that I could go to any aquarium in the world and I could engage with people who took the time to upload a photo of an animal that they felt drawn to. Those are all members of Octonation in hiding, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so I just went out and I found them. And I think what a lot of people do is they take this approach where I'm just going to syndicate content or I'm just going to throw out content. There's a huge thing to be said about finding your people and not just passively waiting for the experience to happen. And I think that's why Octonation, you know, we have so many people that are following us is because I curated our community as much as I curated the content for our community by going out there and locating. Another thing I did, people that have octopus tattoos. If you have an octopus tattoo, odds are you're a member of Octonation, right? I need to reverse engineer the attention span of somebody who self-identifies as being interested in the octopus. Where are these people out there in the world? Who are they currently following? You know, who's currently giving them resources now? And then I went and I found them and I curated that community. And I feel like a lot of people have that, that ability to do that. But uh, what I see a lot in the industry now and on Instagram is people are not willing to niche themselves, which I think goes into like this next part of our conversation, which is niches are so important right now on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, no, it's powerful stuff. Exactly what you're talking about, Warren. And speaking of tangent for a second, speaking of octopus tattoos, my dad's getting one today. That's pretty cool. Do you want to share that story really quickly? <laughs> it's a little bit off topic for, for... Yeah, it's a little bit off topic, but I mean, I didn't really know that your dad had an affinity uh, for the octopus until I think, I don't know where how Shalene brought it up or mentioned something related to, oh no, Brett like loves the octopus. And then he was like, yeah, I'm getting a tattoo of one. And I just thought like, we have thousands of members, I mean, that have tattoos. In our like our Facebook group, I mean, every single day we get you know five to ten people uploading octopus tattoos, and I think we're like influencing people to get octopus tattoos, <laughs> yeah. anatomically correct octopus tattoos. <laughs> so yeah. I texted him and I said, "Hey, make sure when you you tell the tattoo artist that octopus's pupils are horizontal. Oh, you can't see here in the thing because <laughs> it's a superpower. They can see 360 degrees around their bodies, but it's only because they have that horizontal pupil." And he was like, okay, I'll tell the tattoo artist. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's so awesome. So he's getting his octopus tattoo today. But okay, let's go back to a second. What we said we were about to talk about, which is niche. And that was exactly what I was about to ask you about is, you know, this for a lot of people listening right now, they might be thinking like, this is a pretty obscure, specific niche, right? So what advice would you have for the people who are scared or hesitant to find a specific niche? Like they want to say, I help people get fit. Or yeah. I help, you know, I, I help women make money, you know, these really, really broad, non-specific things. So what would you say to someone who is worried about niching down? Yeah, I would say first and foremost, as I was developing Octonation, I realized that there was a need in the industry to create an agency. And so with my husband, Roberto, we have a brand management agency and his section of the agency is monetization. And my section is strategic collaborations and growth and really niching. And so my really formula for this is very simple. I say you need to have a very clearly defined who. So who's the page for and a very clearly defined what, what is the page about? And if you can draw on a piece of paper and put who and what, the more vague 
those two things are, the more alienated your community is going to feel when you go to post about different subjects. So I can give you an example. I worked with a woman who was a life coach and she goes, I'm a, I'm a life coach. And I go, okay, so who do you work with? And she goes, people that have chronic pain. I said, okay, so you're a life coach. That's the, you know, the who, the what is you want to work with people that have chronic pain. The issue with that is chronic pain takes a lot of different forms. You could have, you know, lupus, you could have chronic migraine, you could have, and I was like, and when you create a community, what's going to happen is they're going to start, you're going to alienate a section of your audience because your tools, your tips, your resources aren't going to be for everybody. Yeah. And it's somebody that has lupus has a very different, you know, protocol than somebody who has something else. And so I said, tell me about your background and come to find out she suffered chronic debilitating migraine ever since she was two. She has this amazing story. And I said, then why don't you stand in that lane? Say that you help, you know, women just such as yourself that, and we, we changed it to business women, but she helps business women who suffer chronic debilitating migraine, get more stuff done throughout the day. Mm. That's a way more powerful. Yeah. I absolutely know where to put her. So we started connecting her with people that made sense for her. Who's currently serving people with chronic migraine, the association of migraine disorders, the national headache foundation. There are all these influencers. There's all these. So as soon she had zero people that were following her at the time. And I said, I want you to start reaching out to these big organizations and see where do you fit in? And she's like, but I, I don't have a community online. And I was like, but you're a PhD. Your whole entire background is migraine. So I wish I could give everybody that same confidence, but your experience definitely means a lot in this space. And so she started reaching out to these organizations and immediately got plugged in. Wow. And so she started her community with having those high profile names attached to her name. And so that was without a following whatsoever. Yeah. So getting really specific that who and that what, and ask yourself, is this vague? Is there any point in time where if I share a tip, I'm going to alienate a section of my audience? Because on Instagram, if you alienate 20 or 30 or 40% of your audience, guess what the algorithm says? We don't quite know where to put you. We don't quite know who's, you know, information to serve to you. And so because of that, it's a no from us, yeah. <laughs> like Shark yeah. Tank style. The algorithm yeah. is like, no, not doing it. So be very strategic with your who and your what. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. And then it was talking about strategy and talking about specifics. I want to know what your Instagram feed strategy is now that we're heading into 2021. And it might be the same as it was in 2020, but what's your strategy for your feed posts? Like how many times a day? Is there a rhyme or reason to whether you're doing a video, a picture, carousel, reel, like what's your strategy for the feed? I want to pick your brain on that. Yeah. My secret sauce has always been collaborations. Okay. Because of the algorithm and just, you know, what it is and what, what's happening with it is Instagram really loves it when you work with accounts that have engaged communities, right? So if I work with an account that's an underwater photographer or an artist, and they specifically work in like a lot of underwater theming and something like that, the more we can work together and the more we can collaborate with one another and share each other to each other's audiences... I feel like it's the fastest way to grow a following in 2021 is not having, you're not responsible for the transformation of hundred percent of your community. Mm. And so understanding that bringing other people on to share the message in this, maybe a similar way, but because they're going to bring their audience, what you have the ability to do is when that audience comes to you and they hear your story, they're like, you know what? I finally understand what this person has been saying all the time because I needed to hear it through Shalene or I needed to hear it through Brock's story. You know, and so 
I think not being so tied to your ego thinking, no, if they don't get it from me, they're not going to get it. They're obviously they're, you know, I don't know, but it's bringing on other people, bringing on other professionals into the mix and saying, Oh, I finally get it. Like this finally makes sense. What happens is they're going to attribute their success to the person who connected them. And so collaboration as much as possible. There's tons of people who think I don't want to bring people on who are similar to me. Like even us, even talking right now, I do a lot of like Instagram stuff, but it doesn't make sense to not have me on because I'm going to bring my audience over to you. And if I have a ton of people in my audience who like, say we're a former athlete or just identify with your story and your situation, they're going to be like, I finally understand what Brock has to say in the Insta club hub as a direct result of Warren sharing him or talking about him. Yeah. And at the end of the day, we should just want the transformation of our clients. So I'm not connected to who does that transformation, just that I'm making sure that I'm facilitating that connection. And so I think there's power in not feeling like ev- I need to steal everybody. I need to take everybody. It's like share people that are really great at what they do. Share really cool people, fun, fascinating people. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, I'm huge into that in 2021 is just not being scared and frightened that they're going to take all of your, your customers. Cause if you operate from that place of scarcity, you've lost. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, you hit the nail on the head that, that word scarcity right there. And while you were talking, I was thinking about how there's this scarcity mindset that, that comes up and, and maybe a lot of our listeners have this thought going through their head is like, well, maybe it's too late for me to grow on Instagram. Cause like I only have a couple hundred followers and there's all these other accounts that have hundreds of thousands. Like how can I catch up? And what you just said is a great way to literally use that same mindset, flip it on its head and say, look, that means that there's tons and tons of people who have already built communities and followings. And by collaborating with them, by networking with them, by sharing their stuff and having your stuff shared by them, Mm -hmm. you can now grow your audience as well. So you don't need to necessarily, like you said, be the one who's responsible for their transformation. But, you know, you can really network and collaborate in that way. And you know that an old scammy way of growing your following on Instagram was follow for follow, right? And so there were so many people that were in this scarcity mindset that thought, like, say I do like Instagram or something like that. I'm just going to go to Brock's followers. I'm just going to follow all his followers because if they're following him because of Instagram, then they're going to want to follow me. And I'm not going to tell him because I just, you know, blah, blah, blah. That is such a a short-sighted way of building your community It's such a surface level, one layer deep sort of situation. And I'm like a five, six, seven layer deep type of individual where I'm just like, but think about the implications of what you're doing and how it's completely destroying any, any connection that you could potentially make with him as an individual to see where you fit in, how you could potentially fill in maybe a gap that he has that he doesn't want to teach about. It's like, reach out to him, make, you know, be his friend. Like, I don't understand you know, where this, I have to hide in the shadows because I just have this feeling like I'm struggling and it just goes to show the type of scarcity mindset. And so in 2021, <laughs> collaborate with people who you perceive to be your competitors because yeah. they're your biggest people that could make a transformation in your community. Yeah, I absolutely agree. So then, so that's the feed. What do you yeah. think about stories? Cause I know you said a little bit earlier, use them in a way to really allow your community to interact and feel like they're a part of the process. I know you do polls quite a bit. What are your thoughts behind how you use Instagram stories? So my secret sauce for stories has always been, I don't create my content strategy in a vacuum. So I don't wake up every day and go, what is, you know, the spirit telling me or what is, you know, I'm in the shower washing my hair. What should I post today on my Instagram? My strategy is completely outsourced by my community. 
Mm-hmm. I tell my community, what do you want to see more of? Do you want to see more facts, videos, art? Do you want us to do artist spotlight? Do you want us to do this? You know, I, I give them a menu of items and then I serve them those items. And I feel like if you create your strategy in a vacuum, then you take personal responsibility for if a post tanks or it fails. But if you're sourcing from your community, hey, what do you want to see? For a long time, I made this mistake in the beginning. I was super big into pop surrealist art, mm. like this really weird art. And so I was like, I'm going to force that <laughs> onto my community. And so I started finding all these really cool artists that I loved. And then I did a poll and like, I think like three or 4% wanted to see that. <laughs> and I was just like, dang it. Like, I really thought that this would be. And so I, at that point in time, I could have said, well, they just need time or I'm just going to keep pushing this or I'm going to whatever. Or I could just let my ego go and say, you know what, Warren, this isn't what your community wants to see. Your community is not about you. You are what I call, and my mom said, focus group of one. You never want to be in focus group of one where you're making decisions just based on, you know, you always want to check in. And if you have a, a community and if you have a fanatical community, then a lot of your decision making will come as a result of asking. So in stories, as much as you can, pull them, provide things that they can engage with. Don't do the same type of engagement. If you're constantly doing that little scroll, how many times can we scroll It's all the way to the end? You know, <laughs> yeah. you know how many times are we going to do that before it's just like, what is the purpose of this? Like, what data am I getting from that other than serving to like, do nothing? <laughs> and so just be really cognizant of what is the objective behind this? What data are you getting as a result of what you're doing? Be more purposeful with things that you need to do and not just like, oh, I'll just throw this in there. Because with everybody that I work on, I'm, I'm like, I'm curious as to why you decided to do that. And they're like, I just felt like it. I'm like, that sounds like focus group of one. I always <laughs> say that all the time. Oh, that's, that sounds like you made that decision based on nothing. <laughs> and I think that's what people really appreciate about me. I'm like super blunt <laughs> with everything that I say. That's awesome. Well, Warren, thank you so, so much for being here today. Really, really appreciate it. Definitely anyone who's listening, follow Octonation. They will be in the show notes below this episode. And on the day of this episode releases, it'll be on my Instagram stories as well. So Warren, thank you so, so much for being here. We really, really appreciate the knowledge. For sure. We'll talk to you soon, Brock. I just want to mention to those of you who are on Instagram and trying to grow your Instagram, you probably know that Brock and I did a five-day challenge. It was $27 and it was insane. We had like 5,000 people go through it and they were blown away. But what we've decided to do since then is for the very same price, offer people a 30-day experience. It's called Insta Club Hub. And it's for those of you who have a small following or a large following, you've got tons of questions about Instagram. It is everything you could possibly ever need to know about Instagram. We go live twice a month. If you miss the live, it's recorded. This is an amazing membership site where once you become a member, once you join, you can log in and like any question you have, you just type it in and it will populate an answer for you that Brock or I have created very recently. And if the answer doesn't pop up, then your question will be emailed to us and we'll either record a voicemail or a video or a written reply explaining to you how to do whatever it is. Like maybe you can't figure out how to get music on your reels or how do I get a swipe up if I don't have 10,000 followers or how do I put a link in my IGTVs? Like every question you could have, like how do I promote my products if I'm in a network marketing organization and I don't want to turn people off? How do I get new followers? Everything you could ever possibly need to know about Instagram is covered for you. 
you get two top Instagram experts for less than a dollar a day. Hey, I want you to check it out, okay? I know you'll love it. Go to instaclubhub.com. Again, it's instaclubhub.com. And I'd love to have you join us. Oh, 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 o